Hi there, this is Matt Wakeling and you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, produced here in Sydney, Australia, and zoomed all over the place through Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Now today, for episode number 52, we have a double header, two interviews. First up, we have Dario Lorino, guitar player, with uh, alongside Zach Wilde in the Black Label Society, but also a fantastic solo artist in his own right. He's just released his second album on Shrapnel Records, Death Grip Tribulations. We get all the news on that. We also speak to Diana Rain, a very independent blues rock artist, uh, really taking, pardon the pun, taking the reins on the uh, on the guitar work on her on her work. So really getting into soloing and uh, digging through tones, and she's great. So we talk about her latest album, Long Road. Before we get to that, here's a word from our friends Mick and Jeff from the Amps and Axes podcast. Hey, podcast world! I'm Jeff Bober, and I'm Mick Marcellino of Amps and Axes. That's right, and we've got a cool podcast that talks with guitarists, manufacturers, engineers, and techs. Yeah, so check us out every Saturday on iTunes and Google Play. That's right. And as we're always saying, onward. All right, thank you, Jeff and Mick. It is a great show, Amps and Axes. So definitely uh, check it out. Great podcast. Hey, I want to read you a message I got from Grant Fisher, who wrote, Hey Matt, love the podcast. I only discovered it fairly recently when you interviewed Brett Garson. I meant to message you then, but forgot. I've just finished listening to the Phil Buckle interview. Fantastic. I always wondered whatever happened to him. Great to hear he's still making music. I saw Phil with The State and a couple of times with Southern Sons and always rated him as one of our top players. Hopefully one day you'll be able to get Jack Irwin on the show. I'll never forget seeing Jack, Virgil and Jeff twice at the spy hole with Hans Valen and being blown away by Jack's playing. Then when he popped up a few months later with Southern Sons and Farnham. And that voice, wow. Thanks again for the show. Grant, thank you so much for your message. That's awesome. And um, yeah, I totally enjoyed talking to Phil Buckle, so I'm glad you enjoyed the interview. And uh, if you're a Jack Jones, Erwin Thomas fan, well, join the club. Who isn't? He, he's absolutely amazing. And such a great guitar player. So yeah, Grant, thank you so much for your message. I really appreciate it. Okay, on to our first interview of our doubleheader today. Speak to the amazing Dario Lorena. Here we go. Dario Lorena, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Hey Matt, thanks for having me. Man, great, great to have you. Really, really cool. And um, you've got a fantastic new album out, which uh, I definitely want to get stuck into and and talk about. But um, I'd love to know where guitar started for you I, I noticed you started playing professionally and touring at the ripe old age of 16 i'm wondering man did you start playing when you were three or four or what was the uh what's your backstory yeah. no i mean my family was you know musical when i was a kid growing up uh my, my parents my dad played drums my mom was always playing uh playing the piano and uh you know my uncles and everybody was musical so i just i kind of grew up around music and I think I wanted to be a drummer and I got a guitar for Christmas and, uh, you know, I was like six, seven and I got a guitar and I just, you know, I never really put it down. I, I took lessons right away for years and years. Um, and you know, in the beginning it's always, you know, you're, uh, you're learning as you go. But when I got into like, you know, when I, I mean, I was playing since I was six, seven years old. So when I got into middle school, it was really like all I thought about and it's all I did. And, uh, 
you know, so like other people think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a, I want to be a football player. I want to do this. I just thought of myself, like, I'm going to be a guitar player, you know? So that's what I focused all my energy on. And, uh, so my first, when I first started touring, I started playing with Janie Lane. I was 16. I was a junior in high school, which is 11th grade here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just, you know, like anything, I'm just try, trying to get a job, you know? So that was my, you know, I, I saw an ad back in the MySpace days that Janie was looking for a guitar player. And, uh, I just sent a bunch of emails that, that, that ad somebody had posted. They sent me an email to contact and I sent a bunch of emails to this, uh, this address, which I, I think was his manager. And, uh, you know, we ended up talking, but, uh, ended up going to out to LA and, and I mean, that's pretty much how it all started. Uh, mm-hmm. right there, basically. Yeah. Wow. What were you, um, so we're, of course we're talking about the late Johnny Lane from Warrant who, um, yeah. who ended up doing a bunch of solo stuff as well. Wow. That's a pretty big gig for your first, first gig. What were you, what got you to that stage, though? So if you started guitar in middle school, or you are getting really serious in middle school, what kind of stuff were you playing? What were you working um, on? I mean, I was, you know, when I was a kid, uh, when I first started playing, uh, I loved Van Halen. You know, these were all, like, tapes I would pull out of my dad's glove box or uh-huh. whatever, and, and uh, you know, Van Halen, when I heard Van Halen 1, for me, that was like, uh, you know, I want to play guitar, and I wanted it to sound like that, you know, so... Um, I mean, what I was working on was just like, in, at the middle school age, was like, okay, I can almost play a solo now. So I wanted to do everything I could to try and play. Uh, I learned one solo, and then I want to learn another one. And that was like, you know, learning, trying to learn Van Halen, or even if I got one little lick out of the entire solo, then I would be, I'd be happy, and I'd move on to something else. You know, I'd, Van Halen, I was learning like Queensrÿche songs, and you know, I'd learn one bar of a dream theater song because that's all i could play uh <laughs> yeah. so you know i was just learning all that kind of stuff that i loved you know john petrucci i loved as a guitar player yeah uh paul gilbert i tried to learn as much stuff as i could from him george lynch van halen you know those that's the stuff i was wearing acdc because it was uh i could almost kind of play it yeah yeah yep yeah but at, cool. at that age that's what i was working on yeah, cool. So, did you have to put a demo or something together for the for the Janie Lane gig? Uh, yeah. Well, they had me like record myself playing some Warrant songs, mm-hmm. um, and I basically just panned like the song to the left and my guitar to the right, and I, I sent them over some audio tracks of uh, man off the top of my head. I don't know if I can remember the songs. Rainmaker, <laughs> Down Down Boys, uh, Thirty Two Pennies, maybe. Yeah, those those were a handful of them. Yeah, um, cool. And so, yeah, I, I sent him over those songs like, oh, man, this sounds uh, sounds great. We'd love you to come out here and, and you know, like, love to meet you. And I ended up jamming with Janie in this rehearsal studio and he played drums. He didn't sing. He played drums. And we, we played like Uncle Tom's Cabin and oh, some Warrant songs and some of his back down to one solo album, which was right around that time. Um, so, yeah. And then, then we started touring a few months after that. Great. Great. And how does it yeah. go as a sixteen-year-old on the road? Are you, were you still trying to get your schoolwork done, or, or was yeah? That, well, just... I I I, uh, I finished my diploma just from doing it. It was called independent study, which is a program they had here uh, in in Vegas. Um, so yeah, I was doing. You know, when I'd be home, I'd go into the classroom and take my tests from the stuff that I was working on myself all week or whatever. However, it worked out. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as being on the road, I just. 
I jumped in with both feet and I just, you know, I, I kept my eyes open and my mouth shut and my ears open and just learned and took everything in and uh, just enjoyed the ride, you know? Yeah, cool. Very cool. Now, it seems um, not too long after that, you hooked up with Lizzie Borden, which is like a legendary band. Those guys have been going since, I don't know, sort of mid-80s, I guess. And, and Yeah, absolutely. Going. That must have been a cool uh, a cool uh, gig as well to nail down. That was a blast. I mean, those guys are so awesome, you know, as 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 brothers hanging out. And, uh, of course, the, the music as a guitar player is phenomenal. I mean, they had a lot of great guitar players and, and – uh, I had a blast learning all that stuff and and playing all that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was a that was a great time. I was played with them for like four years or so. Now you had a pretty good reason to wind things up with Lizzie Borden, I believe. You got the uh, the guitar gig in the Black Label Society. How did that come about? Uh, so I knew Blasco, who manages uh, Black Label, and uh, I was in touch with him. Like you know, b- before Black Label was in the position that they were looking for a guitar player. I was in touch with them about something else. And then, uh, it was just timing, you know, and then just after that, they were, uh, you know, they had announced they were looking for another guitar player. So, uh, things kind of just kind of fell into place as far as talking with Blasco right around the same time. And, um, I sent over some videos of me playing some, uh, black label songs and playing some acoustic guitar and singing on some of Zach's book of shadow stuff. Uh Um, and uh, so I sent that stuff over, and then uh, that was just around the end of the year in 2013. So, yeah, it was like right at the end of the year, uh, right around Christmas, just after Christmas. Um, and then right around that time, they had me come out, and I, I hooked up with Zach over at his Black Vatican studio out in L.A. And, uh, yeah, that was that was it. Things went really well, and that was kind of how it all all started. That's really cool. What's it, uh, what's it like working with Zach Wild? Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's a you know he's a true leader and an absolute inspiration. Very cool. And you're still doing that gig at the moment, aren't you? Yep. Nice. We are. We're just uh, we have some downtime at the moment, but yeah, we'll be going back out uh, early early 2018. Yeah, so I, I released that in September of 2013, and and then I so it was right around the same time I joined Black Label, January of that next coming year, that 2014. So, um, yeah, that was my first solo album. Uh, you know, as a guitar player, you know, looking up to guys that were on Shrapnel. Yeah, um, it was definitely uh, you know I'm very happy to be a part of that whole that whole camp over there. And um, as a guitar player a goal of mine was I wanted to do an instrumental record, you know? Um, so I hooked up with Mike Varney and, and we were able to do that together. And I mean, it was awesome. And then, you know, it turned into the second one, which death grip tribulations, which was just released. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy sitting down and making that stuff, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially as a guitar player. Yeah. Cool, man. Fantastic. Yeah. They're both great sounding records. Um, how how soon did you start writing your own stuff? So I've sort of jumped into all your sideman gigs, but um, when did that become a part of your playing? I mean, I have always written my own stuff. I mean, as a musician, I think you're always kind of like creating something, you know. So I've I have 
I have a ton of songs on my hard drive. I'm always putting ideas down and, uh, you know, not just instrumental stuff. I mean, I, I play piano and I write songs and I sing. Uh, so that's, that's my next, uh, not, not just piano, but I mean, my next record I plan to sing on. Um, but these two instrumentals were fun to make. And I mean, I'm just always, just always writing and putting riffs down and, uh, yeah. With, with your first album, what's the recording process? Are you recording stuff at home? Are you using a bunch of studios? Um, uh, does Vani hook you up with a, with a place? What, what happens there? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm basically, I basically have the songs pretty much demoed, like as far as arrangement and everything. Uh, and I might have like a melody in place for the chorus, the solo, like the solos, the leads of the song, I write when it's time to put it down right away. I just write it and go. Um, but other than that, everything else is demoed out and arranged. And I pretty much do that. And then I'll get together with my drummer, uh, Dan Conway, and uh, we'll like suss some things out and he'll put his feel on it. And we might change this, that, you know. And then uh, from there, we go into a studio, which, yeah, that, that first place uh, Vani hooked us up with, which was uh, Count's Desert Moon Studios mm-hmm. here in Vegas. Um, so, yeah, we did we did drums in there. It took us a couple days, which knocked him right out. And then uh, we did bass in there. Uh, and rhythm guitars, and then the rest I'm I'm doing from my house. So then once the, all that foundation is laid, I come back to my house and spend, you know, haven't met much time I need to spend on it, and just write solo sections for every single song. Um, and then that's pretty much it. Nice. That's the process for, for me. That sounds cool. That sounds like it's a pretty relaxed space too when you when you come to get your melodies and your, your solos down. Yeah, I, I like to just, you know, I want to be able to record and delete and hit the space bar as many times as I need to without <laughs> feeling like, hey man, can you can you can you fix that? A hundred times, no. <laughs> That's very cool. So, what's your um, what's your home studio like? What what stuff are you running there? Um, I mean, I just have Pro Tools. Um, uh, you know, I, I have a an Avalon Direct. I mean, it's just basically I'm basically mic in my cab with two mics and, and going direct into pro tools. That's all I'm doing. You know, I I don't do any of the fancy stuff. I send that off and they, they they mix it and put the the final gloss all over it. But it's basically just a 57 and a 421 and, and that's basically it. Nice. Man, that's a classic combo right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, the gear I have, I got amps and guitars and whatever, but you know, that's the, that's the bare bones for recording. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I love it. The um man, the the guitar tones are super alive. They're they're very present and and big. So you you're doing it well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, for this new album, everything was done basically with uh, um my my 800, my Marshall JCM 800, uh-huh. with um a Seymour Duncan 805 overdrive in front of it, and then I have Seymour Duncan pickups. Um, I have the tb custom custom and a 59 custom hybrid which is basically what you're hearing if not it's a jb uh you know seymour duncan jb okay. but that's yep. that's basically the setups for that wow cool yeah i, I noticed on the album well the, let's talk about the new album in in specific um terms yeah i noticed there's not a lot of not a lot of ear candy on the guitars they're just these big fat sounding uh instruments so it sounds it sounds massive i love it oh cool yeah Straight to the point.
playing your lag signature guitars? Uh, I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually just had one painted in the Death Death Grip Tribulations uh, theme. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, it's my, my Akinator. Uh, and then the leads uh, were pretty much, which is the same with my first album. I have a lag. Um, it's an Arcane, okay. which is like a souped-up Strat kind of thing and it has a, a tv a seymour duncan tv custom custom and a 59 custom hybrid and that's what i did my leads for the first album with and for the second with album it's the same guitar okay. the rhythms are you know my les paul and, and uh, another lag with uh with seymour's in there wow cool cool now you've been with lag guitars for a while hey it must be the last four or five years i guess yeah um well i mean actually it's been uh it's been maybe 10 years that I played lag. So I, oh, okay. I toured wow. with them when I first started playing with Janie. So uh, I played them ever since. So it's been about 10 years, yeah. Cool. That's fantastic. And your signature is the, I think I mentioned the Arcanator. So that's kind of a combination of two two sort of lag ideas, I think. Yeah, it's a hybrid. So the, the name came from, they have a model called the Arcane. They also have a model called the Imperator. So uh that's where the name came from. Is it's a hybrid of those two names, Akinator. Um So the the Arcane's like I said, is like a souped up Strat, and then the Imperator is a Les Paul body shape. Um, so I took the neck from the Strat and the Les Paul, and then put it on the body of the Les Paul cool. uh, Imperator sh- shape. And uh, you know, we made some some tweaks here and there. I have the no- the switch in a different place, and uh, just one knob. Um, and then it has. Uh, you know, it's mahogany body, maple neck, ebony fretboard. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Are you keeping the 25 and a half inch scale from the Strat kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think that's a great combination. you got the, you know, the snap of the longer scale, but you still got the, the girth. Totally. There's some down tuning as well, I think, or are you playing a seven? Um, not sure, like on a track like Guardian. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's just uh, full step down and then, you know, the low string is dropped. So it's a six string. It's just... It's drop D, uh, technically drop C, I guess, you know, because it's full step down, and then you just drop the low string to the to the C note. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's chunky down there. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a nice range. That's great. And then, and then like, 250 and distance shores, uh, the same six string, just uh, tuned to full step down, with, and the low string's tuned to B. Well, A. It's drop A. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's down there, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just put a thick string on there and... <laughs> Hopefully it stays in tune. Your signature's got a Floyd Rose. Are you, are you using like a fixed bridge to get to, for those retunings? Um, for the low tunings, uh, for the rhythm, yes, it's fixed. Yeah, okay, cool. Is there a particular guitar you just leave in that tuning? Uh, yeah, I have, um, I have, it's a lag and it's Phil Campbell from Motorhead. It's his signature guitar, which is like an explorer shape. And uh, since the record, that one's been my drop B guitar. Black Label, I play that in, in drop D. Uh, you know, drop C because it's full step down. But uh, so yeah, that that just stays in that tuning. Okay, cool. Hey, speaking of Phil Campbell, he appears on your record on the on the track 250, which is a great track. Yeah, um, cool. How did that come about? How'd you meet up with Phil? 
Yeah, so I met so Phil also played Lagatage, and we met doing clinics over in Frankfurt, Germany, at this uh, music convention they have yearly called uh, the Music Mesa. So yeah, yeah, uh, we met there. We did you know we did clinics together for a weekend, and uh, you know we just became good friends and stayed in touch. And then uh, Motor, you know, I live in Vegas, so Motorhead was coming through Vegas, you know, shortly after that, and uh, he called me and asked if I wanted to play Killed by Death with him. So. I, I played Killed by Death with Motorhead here at the House of Blues, which was nice. awesome. Yeah, um, very cool. And then, you know, we've just always been friendly. We talked about trying to do something together on my first album. Um, but, you know, especially when you're a touring musician, schedules can be all over the place, so we couldn't link up for that one. But uh, the second one, uh, timing was able to work out. So he did the, he did the recording, his parts from his, from his studio uh, over in Wales, uh, and his son uh, engineered it, and the sound sounds phenomenal. Yeah, sounds great. It's a great, great track. That's got some really some of that low tuning stuff as well, by the sounds of things. Yep, yeah, that's that's drop A. Yeah, cool. It's a killer sound. I'm always impressed when I hear an album like yours where you can get that low stuff sounding big, but it's also it's got a lot of clarity and um, you know it sticks out in yeah. the mix. Like sometimes that really low stuff can get a bit sludgy, which I know is an aesthetic for some kind of bands but for your stuff you, you need to hear the riffs loud and clear but you somehow pull that off yeah well fred archambault who engineered and mixed the entire record i mean he's just a frequency master and he's got all that down so that's that's all him he, he made it sound absolutely killer nice very cool uh there's some piano on heart of night you've mentioned you've mentioned you play you play keyboards a bit that's yeah that's a nice track nice uh juxtaposition to all the the riffing going on around it yeah, that's that's my uh, movie score track. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, just piano and, and uh, some some soft guitar. Yeah, nice. Hey, really surprising track was "Same Dice." I love those horn arrangements. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That was you know we were recording that song and uh, it had that swing like jazz vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. And I just kept hearing horns. I was like, we got to get horns in the song, so. Um, I called up this guy here in Vegas, well-known Vegas guy named Juan Bronson, uh, who has a band. He plays plays all over. He's got a horn section. He's a horn player. Um, so I called him up and asked him if he'd help me, help me chat and arrange these horns. And so I, I met with him a couple times, and uh, I, I played some lines, and we came up with some stuff together. And then he chatted it all out for me and lined up guys from his from his horn section. Uh, and we recorded the the horns at the same studio we recorded my first album at, which was Count's Desert Moon, and spent spent a few hours in there. We had a we had a trumpet, a baritone sax, and a tenor sax, and then uh, one guy doubled up. Uh, so it was a four piece horn section, and yeah, I think it took the track over the top. I love it. Yeah, super cool. Man, the Barry parts are nice too. They just have the little little features where they just stick out a little. That's that's such a cool sound. Totally, yeah. Fred Fred worked his magic on that. <laughs> that must have been fun. So when you're arranging, so are you sitting down with a guitar and just playing ideas and yeah, just playing like blues, bluesy lines of like, yeah, this might sound good in the, you know, with, with a horn, but uh, you know the horns are playing chords, so you're gonna check that has to be charted all out so they can read it and play it, you know.
Some really cool bass moments on the record too, like two that stick out. One's on on that track, same dice. There's like that yep. fusion kind of solo over these totally. power chords. I love. That was a cool thing. Yeah, that's JD from Black Label. Who plays with me in Black Label. Wow. He played. Uh, he's yeah. He's a he's a monster bass player. He played on uh, the whole album, and then uh, yeah. So, so his other solo section is in the song Perigee. Uh, in the second verse, he solos, which is awesome. It has some distortion on the bass. It sounds killer. Yeah, um, yeah. And then on Distant Shores and Guardian is uh, Martin Anderson, who I played with in Lizzie Borden. He played bass on those two songs. Um, uh, yeah, he, he killed it also. Cool. Excellent, man. Yeah, and that same dice solo. You know, On a fusion record, you'd hear a bass solo, but with like a super clean guitar doing these spacey things or an electric piano or something. But you're just yeah. smashing out the power chords, but it sounds sounds really cool. Oh, right on. Man, that song Paragon you mentioned, um, with the the distorted solo, that's great, the bass. Like it's like he's slapping with that distorted sound. I don't think you hear that on many records. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just sent those once I was once we were done with uh rhythm guitar and, and uh drums, just sent the tracks to J D and J D do your thing. And uh he just sent all that back. I was like, That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. So, man, you, you pulled in some good friends for the record, for sure. Yeah, you know, I wanted to have, uh, you know, my, all, my, all my buddies on, you know, and Jeff, who plays with me in Black Label, plays drums in Black Label. He played on the song Waves of Nostalgia. He played drums on that song. Oh, cool. Um, which was a riff that we would jam, like, at Soundcheck all the time. Uh, oh, okay. So, it was like, yeah. it was only right. It was like, ah, oh, Jeff, you're going to play on it. So, yeah, he played on that. Oh, that's cool. I like the, um, the rhythm sound on, on that tune. It's got that really cool delay kind of texture. Yeah, definitely. I think the... The delay drives drives the whole song. Cool. Are you adding that um, after the recording, or is that is that going to the tape? Yeah, that that was after record. I mean, I wrote it like in Pro Tools with the delay, so I mean, it was okay. added after. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's a cool tone. Um, if I can just go back to Perigee, though, that that song really struck me as an interesting mix of ideas. Like to me, it sounded quite old school, which kind of might reflect some of your influences that you mentioned already. But it's still got a very modern take to things as well yeah definitely um i mean i love all different kinds of music i mean my hats in the old school guitar driven stuff you know so that that i think that'll always come out but i mean i i, I listen to everything I, I love every kind of music so um I, th I think the whole album is is very vintage modern kind of vibe planning on touring this i see you've got a show coming up at the end of june is that is that highlighting this material yeah, well, we just did our, the first show at, you know, playing my solo stuff, um, which we played here in Vegas at a club called Vamped. Uh, awesome club, and the, the show went great. That was our first show, you know, playing songs from both these instrumental albums. Oh, and it's my drummer, 
who played on both the instrumental albums. He's playing with me. Um, JD is playing with me from Black Label and uh, guitar player named Zach Hennig uh, from here in Vegas. And uh, that was our first show. And now we're going to do another one at the Whiskey on June 30th. It's uh, so a Friday night. And uh, yeah, I mean those those are the those are the two we had we had planned, and uh, we'll see what else see what else comes up. Uh, Black Label will be going back out pretty soon. So does that fill out your year, or is that you got some other things going on? Uh, well, that'll start in 2018. So oh, yeah, uh, after the whiskey show, um, yeah, I'm just working on a bunch of things. Um, uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to do another little thing off of Death Grip. So when we have that confirmed, I'll uh, I'll announce it. But um, yeah, just uh, I'm gonna try. I'd like to try and write and record a whole new record by the end of the year, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, cool, very cool. So that's um that's one you mentioned where you might add some vocals. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a you know, a, it won't be an instrumental album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds great. Sounds really cool. Well, we'll definitely keep an an eye out for that. Um, yeah. Dar- Daria, what's the best way for people to um, keep up to speed with all the stuff you're doing? Um, well, my website's darielarena.com, and from there you can get to my. I mean, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, usernames are just at or at Daryl Arena. Facebook is slash Daryl Arena official. Uh, but darielarena.com, you can get to anywhere, YouTube, whatever. It's all that's the hub. Yeah, cool. All right, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah, your website's great. It's got lots of cool info. It seems pretty up to date, and um, it's got some good stuff there. Oh, right on. Well, man, Dario, you um, you have fit a lot into your twenty-seven or twenty-eight. How old are you now? Is it twenty-seven? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. You have fit a lot of stuff into twenty-seven years, but you've obviously worked very, very hard all the way along too. So, man, congratulations on the new album. And um, thank you very much. Cool, and thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to talk to you again when uh, maybe when the new record comes out and see what's see what you've been up to. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Dario. All right, thanks a lot, man. Cheers. All right, there you go, Dario Lorino. So great to meet him and uh, discuss his career. Great player and uh, got a show coming up June 30. Check it out if you're in the area and check out that album, Death Grip Tribulations. All right, on to our second interview of the show with Diana Rain, who, as I mentioned at the start of our show, is an independent blues rock guitarist, singer-songwriter, really digging into the guitar trills on her latest work. She's a J-Rocket artist. She's a Strat Cat, and uh, it was great catching up with her. She's got a super interesting backstory as well, which we'll find out about. So here we go, my conversation with Diana Rain. Diana Rain, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Oh, great. Now, um, in my research of you, I, it turns out you were born in Romania, but you moved to the States at a really young age. Is that right? Yes. I, I moved to Chicago, Illinois when I was three years old. Okay. Yep. And did you come from a musical family? On my mother's side, I can't say there's any musical influence, but on my father's side, uh, my father played clarinet and saxophone, and he taught at, uh, he was a professor of music oh, wow. in Romania, and yep. uh, and my aunt was actually a famous singer in Romania. So, um, so yeah, wow. it comes from my father's side, and then when we came to Chicago, um, we basically 
came with $50 in, in my dad's pocket. We ended up getting a free pizza. Um, <laughs> and then, and that was really great that we were able to do that. But we had a sponsor that we came to in Chicago and, um, and my father could not continue music. He had to uh, make ends meet and put food on our table. So he ended up becoming a janitor in the, some of the high-rise buildings in, um, in the city of Chicago. Okay, wow. Did he keep playing at all just for his own enjoyment? No, and that makes me really sad. I mean, he just emailed me two weeks ago, and he emailed me a film. It was a Romanian film, and he said, do you recognize anyone? And I'm like thinking, I have no idea. I'm, I'm looking at this this video of this movie with some like girls dancing. And at first I thought maybe it was my aunt. Uh-huh. And then I see like a band playing. Like it's a whole like dinner band scene in this movie. And then and then he's like, I can't believe you didn't notice that was me playing the saxophone in the background. And oh, I was wow. like, no. And I look at it. I, I can't believe I never knew about this until now. But I so wish... He would have continued playing. Uh, I think he got a lot of joy that I was interested in music and that I took piano lessons when I was young. And I think, I think he wishes I would have stayed with the piano. He's like, he's more of a piano guy, but I just cannot deny how much I love the guitar. So (laughs) sorry, dad, it's the guitar for me. (laughs) Awesome. Very cool. So, um, so you've done piano. When did you move over to guitar? Um, well, there, there was quite a space between piano and guitar, uh, because I was acting, I was, um, going to a a grammar school that they had, they had all the arts. Like we had extracurricular, uh, like art, art class, music class, dance class, drama, Mm -hmm. um, and piano. And, and so I was focused on acting for a long time. Because when I was 11, I booked the films Home Alone. And then when I was 13, I booked Home Alone 2 because they asked the children back to come yep, back for the yep. second film. Awesome. That's, so, that's cool. Know, I, was, I was a little confused. I mean, I, I loved music. Music was always like the number one art that came into my life. But then I I got a little sidetracked with acting. <laughs> and sure, then, sure. Picked up the guitar when I was 16 in high school. Okay, yeah. That's the thing yeah. with um, people involved in the creative arts somewhere. Like, I don't know, sometimes when an actor will, will come out with, a, with a, an album or something, people are like, what's, what's this guy, what's this girl doing? But I think a lot of people don't understand at a young age, like yourself, people will be studying acting and singing and dancing and they'll have a whole bunch of creative stuff up their sleeve and it's just the opportunities that present themselves first. It's a, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate because when I think about, uh, let's say, for instance, Macaulay Culkin, who was the, the child, Kevin, in, yeah. in Home uh, it wasn't, I think, I think recently he came out with a band and he had like tomatoes and food thrown at him. Wow. Uh, so I, I am fortunate, on the other hand, that I didn't get famous as an actress. <laughs> So that uh, people don't know me as that first. And sometimes I feel like if you get famous as a musician and transition to acting, that's an easier transition. Like if you think of someone like Justin Timberlake, yeah, who's sure. now acting. So, but for whatever reason, if you are uh, an actor first and then try and do music, it's not as easy. It's not as, the perception is different. Sure, sure. So um, just a sidetrack, did you enjoy 
um, you know, booking those movies as as a as a young kid? Was it were you pulled out of school? Were you homeschooling? How did that all work for you? <laughs> I was pulled out of school. I have a funny story with that because the tutors and my teachers were not in good communication, and my parents, who, like I mentioned, were from Romania. They didn't really know what was going on, and, and they were they were working, and I would go to the set with my grandfather, who did not speak a lick of English. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, we, I, I, I failed my classes during the month and a half that I was gone from school, and I was so scared because I was a straight-A student otherwise, and um, I was so nervous for my parents to get the report card for my teacher that I made sure I got the report card first, and then I used whiteout and I, <laughs> <laughs> I put whiteout on like the D's and the C's, yeah, changed the A's and B's, and my dad was still upset that I got some B's. So, I, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was pretty. And then the second for the second film, I made sure I had good communication between my teachers. <laughs> that, that's a lot to take on, though. As a what were you like thirteen by the second one? That's that's a lot to take yeah. on yourself. Wow. I was thirteen. I had I had newly gotten braces because my teeth were super crooked, and uh, I it was just so embarrassing. I had like. I hadn't learned how to shave my legs yet. We had to wear these like skirts the first day, and the kids were laughing because I had like, well, it was like blonde hair, but still they were laughing at the hair on my legs. It was just super embarrassing. Okay. It was like the preteen, just super embarrassing. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, are you, um, were you one of the siblings in the, in the film? I was the cousin, one of the cousins. Okay. All right. Awesome. It's funny because I've been, yeah, I've been my head's been in your album and then um i think it was only last night i i was, I was trying to find your website again and um yeah saw the acting as well so yeah. multi-talented <laughs> very good so okay so back to 16 so you're starting on the acoustic guitar what what stuff were you into what were you playing i did not take any lessons but i remember buying a uh guitar book and learning like the chord c g e a um and then, I, and then I started teaching myself how to play mm -hmm. uh, Candlebox. Do you remember that band, Candlebox? Yeah, so this is, oh, when is this? Kind of like early 90s? Yeah, I don't remember what, uh, well, I should remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was early 90s. So it was Candlebox, like, I think this song was Far Behind. Okay, yep. I know and the names. They weren't huge down here, but I, I remember hearing the name, yeah. Yeah. So I started learning how to play, like, songs that I dug um what other songs I remember like Wind Cries Mary and and some Pearl Jam song yeah yeah cool uh and uh but it was a pretty tough guitar to play it was a Fender acoustic and I love Fender I play uh Fender Strats I have their amps but yep. but I was my hands are really small and my dad didn't know anything about setting up guitars or anything but I mean I'm grateful he got me a guitar it was just really hard to play yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And then I put it down when I went to college because I, I majored in acting, um, Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting. And, and so I moved away from Chicago all the way to California for school. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did not take my guitar with me, and I, I was just focusing on acting. Yeah, sure. So when, um, when did you get back to the guitar? So it was my early 20s that I saw a DVD of Stevie Ray Vaughan playing uh, live yep. 
and uh, he just, he, well, actually, it was before that. I was, before that, I moved back home to Chicago from California, and I was um, doing, I got my mom to buy me a baby tailor, so I was a lot smaller, and I started composing songs with the baby tailor. Okay, yeah. And then I that culminated in me doing shows around Chicago and uh, recording my first eight-song album mm-hmm. called The Bathroom. And uh, and then after that, because I was doing a lot of acoustic, that's when I found Stevie Ray Vaughan's DVD. And I was like, oh, God, I, acoustic's <laughs> electric's even better. I want to play like that. <laughs> great, great. So you... Um... You ended up getting an electric. What um, do you remember your first electric? I do. It, I actually sold it not too long ago. It was an Ibanez. Uh, I don't remember what model, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I had I had this car company, this car sticker company make these hologram stickers with my initials D and R, and I put that like Stevie Ray Vaughan had on his number one guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Stuck those stickers on there, um, but it was really pretty. It was maroon and it had this uh, like pearl, I can't a- abalone like uh, trim on the outside. I've always had rosewood fretboards mm-hmm. um, since since then. Uh, it was a it was easy to play. It was a thin neck, so it was easy for me to play. But uh, I would have never never guessed. That my preference would be like thick baseball bat necks. Okay. Which I, yeah. And I, a lot of guys that I talk to that have larger hands, they like the thinner necks. I, I have small hands, and for whatever reason, the bigger, uh, thicker necks work for me. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, cool. So, when, um, so you say you're playing a strat now. When, when did you get your first strat? I uh, was probably around 2004 or five. Okay, yep. Uh, it was a Cali- California series red strat that my dad found on eBay. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, this year, it, it's, uh, it's 20 years old this year in 2017. Ah, oh, cool. Very nice. Uh, I didn't have it for all that time, obviously. Yeah, but sure, sure. But my dad, yeah, my dad got it, and that's the guitar that I took to E flat while I'm performing. Okay, yep. And then I just, I got another one. It's a '62 reissue nice. Hot Rod, vintage Hot Rod, and that's got the thick, thick neck. Yep. Um, and I call that like my number one. It's it's a really pretty sunburst and rosewood fretboard. Um, I think I got that maybe in 2014. Okay, yep. Yeah, my husband got that one for me. <laughs> yeah, cool. So is that one in standard tuning? Then a few others in E-flat? Yes, that one's in standard tuning. Yeah, cool. And what what about strings? What kind of gauges are you into? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I actually do something a little different. So mm-hmm. I'm using the Dario strings right now. Yep. And uh, they're called the nickel wound, nickel wound, and it's. I use the nines as, and I didn't do this before. I used to use tens all the time. Yeah. But I use the nines, and then um, for the for the uh, low E string, I use a one point four two two millimeter 
it's the same nickel wound by Daddario, uh-huh. um, but it's really thick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I just I just like it for for that low E string to be to be pretty powerful. Ah, so, cool. Yeah. Nice. How'd you come upon that? Um, it's funny you should ask. Uh, <laughs> I really love an artist named Philip Sace. Yeah. And the reason why I think I really dig him is because he. He's probably the closest to me seeing Stevie Ray Vaughan live okay. that I will get. He he's not a he's not a uh, um, what is it called? Im, not imitator. Um, uh, what is it called oh, when impersonator? Uh, impersonator. Impersonator. Yeah. Uh, he has his own amazing original music, but it's just the conviction with which he plays, the strength with with which he plays. Um, pretty captivating it's pretty awesome so i read that that's the setup he uses and i was like okay i'm gonna give it a try and i'm pretty happy with the nines on the high string because it's really easy to uh, manipulate and bend Mm -hmm. um and it still sounds pretty darn good yeah, I mean, there's always there's always talk about big strings and big tone. I mean, obviously Stevie Ray had the big strings, but the other spectrum, Billy Gibbons has been known to play eights and even sevens. So you know, it's it's yeah. it's no uh, it's no quick and fast rule. I think for I think for most players, it's more the the feel of it, and then you work your tone out as you go because you're pulling a big tone on, especially on your record. That's great classic strat tones are going on there. Yeah. Thanks. And that wasn't even like anything special that I was using. I was using my just my strap. I had a an amp built. It wasn't a Fender. I did have a Fender Super Reverb, but since I was recording in my um, in a room in my house, okay. I couldn't I couldn't really um, use the Super Reverb. So I ended up getting a a Cherryatone JM50 amp. Okay. And I recorded with that. And maybe just a few, I had a few pedals, I think a boost pedal, a J Rocket Archer boost pedal, a Tube Screamer, I had a delay pedal, Uh, so it wasn't anything truly fancy for that. Um, I did have an Ox Vibe, no I didn't, no, that was for a song for my next album. Oh, okay. Um, But ever since then, I've ended up getting two Fender Blues Juniors for my live show. Ah, nice. Yeah, so it's like it's not nothing terribly complicated. Cool. No, that that sounds great. Like the super reverbs, yeah, they they sound awesome. But you do need to crank them pretty hard. Like Stevie Ray, obviously, that was one of his amps, but he he would have that thing on ten. Right. So, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. So the uh, the cherry tone. I think I've I think I've heard you mention in other interviews. That's like a Dumble kind of a vibe. Yeah, it's uh, they made it in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. It's a great company, and it has like people see it and they think it's a double. They're like, "Holy cow, does she have a double?" I'm like, "No, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, cool, nice. There's a big splashy kind of reverb on some of those tracks. It's it's like a classic Fender kind of sounding reverb. Is that from the amp, or are you doing that outboard? That's from that was from the Cherrytone amp. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm kind of a. Um, I love I love reverb. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool tone. It's very cool, and um, and you're working with Jay Rocket. Tell me about your association with him. So I I had another boost pedal and it broke down on me when I was recording and and I had heard a lot about the Jay Rocket Archer boost pedal. Yep. 
And uh, so I just called, I called them. I called the number on their website and I talked to Chris, who's their artist rep, and told him my situation. And he said, okay, that's, he said, that's cool. I'll set you up. And um, I actually met them for the first time this year at NAMM. And I tried out their dude pedal. And so I have that on my pedal board now. Ah, oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And um, yeah, so... So, and I guess if, if you go to their website, you can see me uh, as one of their artists on the website. That's excellent. That's so good. Yeah. I think the dude pedal, that's, again, that's a, like a Dumble kind of inspiration thing for them, isn't it? It is, and it's, it's just really powerful sounding, and it can make you sound like you're playing through like a 4x12. Um, it's just, it's got a lot of different, uh, like a ratio and a deep knob, and it's, um, you can get a lot of different things, but it's, as soon as you put it in, you like um, depress the button. If you put the volume up, even like the slightest, it just gets loud. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of kick, nice. So let's um, let's talk about your album. Um, so Long Road came out last year, 2016. Can you talk me through the writing and the production process for that? Uh, the writing started in January 2015. I was uh, working on my electric lead guitar skills um, for a few years before that, and I did not want to start writing an album until I felt more like really confident with what I was doing and that I could pull off a blues rock record because that's the kind of music I've always wanted to record and I didn't want to do it until I really could do it. Um, so January 1st of 2015, I... I said for the next two weeks, I'm just going to write songs every single day and uh, I'll choose the songs that I like the best for this album and uh, that's what I did uh, in those two weeks and it was fun. That's how, kind of how I do my songwriting process. I, I uh, take time out to do that in an extended amount of time because I know that that's how I work best. Um, Instead of always having my channel open, I decide when I'm going to open it. Plus, I like having life experience in between yeah. Uh, so that yeah, so that I can have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> sure. New ideas because I'm always learning. I'm always doing something new with the guitar. So I just, you know, just want to see the growth. Um, so, yeah. So after I, I wrote all the songs, then I laid down the drums i i used a program called easy drummer mm -hmm. and it uses live samples of actual drummers playing drums and and you as an artist can put in the sounds that you want to hear like they have a little midi and an actual drum set that you can press with your mouse and create the drum beat you're looking for and then it will give you like a hundred options and you just go through and you choose which one you think would work best. So I did that and then I put the bass down, then I put rhythm guitar down, then I put a scratch vocal down. Yep. And then I took a break for health reasons and because I was getting this the chariotone built. Oh, and that okay. took that took quite some time. Yep. Took months. So when that finally came to me, I had to learn how to mic an amp and how I was going to do that in my in my room in the house while my son slept. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And try not to bother anybody. <laughs> uh, so so I did the 
I recorded the lead vocals and then I ended up recording the, uh, the sorry, did I say vocals? I ended up recording the lead guitar and then the final thing I did was vocals. Okay, yep, cool. So you all self-produced on this record? Yeah, I did. I did it all. <laughs> yeah, wow. Very cool. Very cool. What's the bass? What bass are you using? Oh, my God. I have no... I think it's a Yamaha. I barely take that thing out because I'm not a bass player. Sure. <laughs> I bought it for, like, maybe 80 bucks. Yeah, yeah. And it was red, so I'm like, that'll, that'll do. It's red. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it actually, it sounds really good. Yeah, so, it's working. Uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I think it's a Yamaha. I think it's a Yamaha. Okay, so your priorities on the guitar rig. So I, I, I like that already. That's fine. That's good. <laughs> Rather than the bass rig. The um, um, yeah. There's some great riffs. Are uh, the real thing. Um, that's a really cool riff on there. So those riffs are they sort of born out of that two week sort of intensive um, period where you, where you say, okay, I'm going to write a bunch of stuff here. Uh, was the real thing born out of that? Yeah. Yes, all all of the songs on the album were, and I like I love that you said riff based because when I was writing my first album, The Back Room, there were no riffs at all. It uh -huh. was just basically rhythm guitar, and and I I wanted to come to that place where I could be a guitar player that writes riff based blues rock. Uh -huh. Yep. A lot of the songs on the album do um, have that vibe. And they start with a strong riff that, that I um, expand on during the song. Yeah, the album's been really well received. You've, you've won some awards last year as well. Can you talk us through those? Well, let's see if I, I, I don't want to forget. Um, I did win the LA Critics Award for Best Female CD, Best Blues Artist, and Fan Favorite. So um, good. Yeah, I also won Best Blues Female for the uh, Blues Doc Awards from the UK, mm -hmm. and um, and I and I was also um, sorry I was also nominated in the first round for the 59th Annual Grammy Awards for Best Contemporary Blues Album. Wow, fantastic! And that was yeah, that was like part of the 100 um, first round nominees, and then they dwindled it down to five. Sure. So. Not this year. I didn't win this year, but <laughs> <laughs> music to come from me. Yeah, cool. Very, very good. Are you? Um, we have you done any uh, gigs to support that? I know you've got a solo gig that I want to talk about in a moment. But um, have yeah. you pulled a band together for for any album support? Well, it's funny you should mention that. Um, I actually was wondering about um, how I was going to get these songs out to the public because uh, I feel like, well, they did get a good reception, but before I, I knew that they got a good reception, I just knew that I needed to put these out there the way I envisioned them to be. Mm -hmm. um, but life sort of sidetracked me um, and I got involved with the band, but they were already a pre-existing band. Okay. So I did, 
I did play some of my songs yeah. and we did play some blues festivals out here in Southern California. But I, I just felt that it wasn't the right situation for me. Um, and I, that's how I came to the one woman show uh-huh. yeah. because I wanted a, a vehicle for my vision of my songs to be, to be out there. And yeah, it's, it's almost a year since I released my album, but yeah. at a time really, like I remember Prince saying time is a trick. Prince Rogers Nelson, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the time is a trick, and I believe in in that because um, whether who cares when my album was released, I, I feel like there's still something unfinished in my soul. So I'm going to figure out a way to get that done so that I don't have any soul regrets. <laughs> you know? Sure, sure, yep. Yeah. So. No. So, so that's what I'm working on. It's been actually like three months of me figuring out the right setup. And it's not easy. Like I've, I've gone through a learning curve. Um, I had one idea of how it was going to be. And I did perform uh, at a TEDx Temecula show near me mm-hmm. and the NAM show um, this year, 2007, uh, 2017 in January. Yep, yep. Nice. I performed performed there with this setup, and then I performed uh, at a showcase near me as well, and it didn't feel right, so then I was back to the drawing board, and now I finally feel like I figured it out. But that's just, I'm always doing some sort of iteration of my project and figuring it out. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the process, isn't it? Working through things, trying stuff seeing what sticks and what what doesn't now this setup you're talking about does it still involve a suitcase could you tell us about that so that was part of the problem i really love the suitcase um it's basically a vintage samsonite suitcase i cut i didn't do it myself but i had someone build it for me and they cut out a huge hole in the suitcase and put in maybe like a part of a kick drum Uh uh-huh and then I and then I use a pedal to activate it, and then uh, I also have a pedal for my other foot that uh, works the tambourine. Okay. Yeah. So I think it was, you know, it's fun and everything, but as an artist, I want to create an opportunity for me to also be free on stage. So I will be incorporating it into my sets, but it may not be. The, like for every single song. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I'm going to pick and choose how I how I use it. Very good, very cool. Now you mentioned you've um, you've already started some some work on uh, a next recording project. Where are you up to with all of that? So in 2015, I wrote a ton of songs, and that ended up uh, with me choosing to do uh, to separate some of the songs into like uh, my uh, Long Road album, and then. Uh, a next album. Yep. So, so I ended up laying down a lot of the stuff for that, and I just have vocals and lead guitar to do for those songs. So once I'm, uh, once I've got my show on the on the road, or once I've got it going, then I have more time to devote to getting the next album done.
Diana, what's the best way for people to keep up with, with all your stuff? Uh, the best way would probably be my website, dianarain.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and on there, you can connect through all of the social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's just, and you can see all my videos on there and Instagram photos and um, any news, uh, show, show opportunities, show dates. Um, yeah, and then I'll probably, on my Facebook page, it's Diana Rain. Diana Rain, and I think it's facebook.com slash Diana Rain Music. Okay. Um, I'll be doing more, um, like, just documenting my process or uh, doing some some frequent live videos or, or uh, uh, taped videos that I post. Um, I've been kind of keeping quiet because I'm using a certain looper pedal. It's a new pedal right now. And uh, there's uh, some things brewing with that that I cannot talk about. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so I was like, ah, how am I gonna like promote promote my music and not talk about this like integral part of my of my uh, music setup? But um, but yeah, so soon I will be posting live videos. Okay. And talking about how it all comes together and makes some magic. <laughs> nice. That sounds good. Oh, that's intriguing about whatever you're doing with a looper. So we'll we'll stay tuned. And um, hey, your website's great. It's um, full of heaps of really good information and it's up to date, which not every single website is. Um, but that's cool. I found it really interesting getting on your website too. I found out a lot about you and um, yeah, your music and, and your approach and stuff. So that's that's cool. Highly recommended. And we'll post, um, we'll add all of your links to our to our stuff as well when we... Um, when we publish this episode, so Diana, any, anything else for 2017? We you want to tell us about? Oh, anything else? Uh, no, there's just a lot of work ahead, a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> it, it's, it seems like you said already, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming coming on our show today. We wish you great success with uh, with with your career moving forward, and um, yeah, we love you. We love the long road. Such a great album, and. And uh, we're glad people are digging it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to my music and uh, sharing it, sharing it with Australia. (laughs) All right, there we go. My conversation with Diana Rain. My thanks to Diana and also to Dario Lorena for appearing in today's show. Two very different guitar players, but both with really, really cool stories. Speaking of stories, we have plenty more in the Guitar Speak podcast archives, so why not dig through that? If you head to uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com, you can find all of our past interviews as well with people like uh, Gretchen Men, Bob Spencer, um, Andy Timmons, Randall Waller, Michael Fix, David Stedman from Maiden Guitars, Charles Cilia. I could go on and on, but you should just have a look. Just have a look for yourself. Uh, We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter if you want to check us out there and and follow along. Okay, thank you so much for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.